It's Monday, August 7th, and this is the Daily Chirp Podcast. We're bringing you a closer look at one of our top stories along with other important things going on in our community. Today, a closer look at the recent celebration at Camp Nako as the efforts to preserve and protect certain remaining adobe structures continues. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsors at Lolly Automotive. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Lolly from the Lolly Automotive Group, and we've stocked up on inventory at all of our dealerships. If you've been thinking about a new car, we've got the deal for you on a new Buick, GMC, Chevrolet, Ford, Kia, Hyundai, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. You don't have to go to Tucson or Phoenix to buy a new vehicle. We're your hometown dealer since 1995. We'll beat the big city dealers in price, and our customer service is small town dealer friendly. Come into any one of the Lolly dealerships today, or shop lollycars.com and see why nobody beats a Lolly deal. Nobody. Now some Arizona trivia. Did you know that the Gatlin site is an important archaeological location near the Gila River in Arizona? The site preserves one of the few documented Hohokam platform mounds, including pit houses, ball courts, middens, and prehistoric canals. Between 800 and 1200 AD, the settlement was home to over 500 people. The site was discovered during surveys in advance of the construction of the Painted Rock Dam by the United States Army Corps of Engineers and underwent its first excavations in 1959. Today's history is brought to you by Benson Hospital. They're doing more than treating illnesses in Benson, they're building a healthier community. Benson Hospital is now collaborating with the Diaper Bank of Southern Arizona to provide diaper assistance to families in need. For more information, visit their website at bensonhospital.org. Now our future story. It was on this hot Saturday morning when over 100 people congregated at Camp Nako reflecting on its stories, not just of the Buffalo Soldiers, but of a nation wrestling with its identity during an era of intense racial division. The day was earmarked not just as a celebration of the camp's restoration, but as a nod to a significant anniversary, the desegregation of the U.S. military back in July 1948, an event that was perhaps the dawn before the Civil Rights Movement. Now, if you think about the Buffalo Soldiers, your mind might instantly jump to Fort Huachuca. But Camp Naco had its own part to play. Positioned yards from the Mexico border, it became a strategic stronghold during the Mexican Revolution. And when World War I's dark clouds loomed, suspicions of Mexico's alliance meant camps like Naco were on the front lines of tension. Two decades. That's how long it took to wrest Camp Naco from oblivion, ensuring its tales, especially those of the African-American Buffalo Soldiers, wouldn't fade away. These soldiers were christened Buffalo by the indigenous people, a title dripping with respect, their fighting spirit reminiscent of the majestic creature. Demetria Warren, a passionate voice from the Southwest Association of Buffalo Soldiers, and Donna Jackson Houston, whose personal family ties with the Buffalo Soldiers run deep, both emphasize the role these brave men played in chipping away at racial barriers. To further that purpose, Donna reveals a less-known tidbit. Buffalo soldiers, including her own grandfather, established a school right there, educating children up till 8th grade, defying the racial norms of the time. Bisbee Mayor Ken Budge, alongside Becky Orozco from the Naco Heritage Alliance, have championed the camp's rebirth. But this was no easy feat. The camp had suffered under vandals, natural wear and tear, even a fire spreading asbestos. But through collective effort and aid, including from former U.S. Representative Gabby Giffords, the land transformed. This transformation, backed by $8.1 million from the state and the Mellon Foundation, an endeavor that got a significant boost when Camp Naco made it to the list of America's 11 most endangered historic places. I'm Rebecca Orozco. I'm the uh, community coordinator for the Naco Heritage Alliance, and the Heritage Alliance is working to save the camp. 
I've been working on this for about 20 some years. Um, my day job for most of those years was an instructor of, of history and anthropology at Cochise College. Um, but about 20 years ago, I came on this site, found this site, and started the efforts to try to save it. It's been a roller coaster over the years. The camp itself was built, that we see now, was built in 1919 to, pr to pr replace a tent camp that was constructed during the Mexican Revolution to keep the war from spilling across the border. There were some major battles in Naco, Sonora, and the U.S. put troops here to keep the, the war on that side of the border. And that continued throughout the teens. It was from 1910 to 1919 after World War I, because Mexico had sort of sided with Germany during that, that time period, or had made signs they might. The U.S. decided to make it a permanent camp. And they built this adobe camp at that point, 1919. There was a series of these camps along the border, and this is the only one still standing, because it's the only one that was made of adobe. All the rest were wood and they were torn down and scavenged, but this one stayed. Well, 1924, the U.S. had a big change in government and new elections and all of that, and they had a return to normalcy and these camps were abandoned. It went back to the, nor the original landowner, John Newell, and the Newell family over the next few years used it, rented parts of it out, but it went back to the U.S. government in the 1930s as a civilian conservation court. The U.S. government held on to it through World War One or World War II, and then gave it back to the Newells in 1950. And they lived here for the next 40 years, till 1990, when they sold it to VisionQuest, a group of for-profit juvenile treatment group who wanted to put a camp here. And that's, after that, they tried, they weren't very good community stewards and they weren't able to get zoning. They were just, it was basically abandoned at that point. And at the end of the 90s is when I started getting involved trying to figure out a way to save it. Um, in 2018, uh, Bisbee took ownership of the camp. Huachuca City had had it before that. Vision Quest had de deeded it to them in 2006. Um, in the meantime, we got grants to mitigate the asbestos, to build a fence. But the camp continued to deteriorate through all of that time. Um, and then just a couple of years ago, the pro we got some more people involved. I actually talked to the right person. And the University of Arizona professor there, Helen Erickson, had one of her students do a study on this that turned into a nomination for the 11 most endangered historic sites in the United States. And we got it. And that brought national attention. Thanks for listening. Before we continue, a quick message from our sponsors, Ace Hardware. Hi, this is Les from Sierra Vista Ace. This is a great time to paint. Ace Stocks, Clark and Kensington, Valspar, Dunn Edwards, and our own Ace Royal Paint in interior and exterior finishes. We can computer match other brands and colors too. All the colors you can imagine, even one named Sierra Vista. Decide on the wall or room to paint, bring in a color idea, and let Ace mix your paint. Treat yourself to a new brush and roller too. Save gas, save time, shop Ace first. Sierra Vista Ace since 1981 on the corner of Fry and Highway 9. Next, border deaths surged in July, but still remained off the pace of recent summers, officials say. Shelley Garzone of Cronkite News has more on the story. Already in July, officials have recorded 33 migrant deaths, half the number recorded in the first six months of the year. We're in the busy part of the year for migrant deaths. Um, you know, our number of deaths is usually directly proportional to how hot it is outside. Um, it's been that way for years. Despite the spike in deaths, 
The 99 deaths recorded by the medical examiner's office so far is still below the death toll of recent years. We're actually behind um, in terms of where we were over the same period of time in 2022. The 99 deaths recorded so far is down sharply from the same time last year when Hess said his office had recorded 124 migrant deaths. But Lieutenant Jeremy Olson of the Pima County Sheriff's Office says the heat in Arizona over the last few weeks has increased the number of deaths they're seeing. We had two instances uh, within the past week where uh, we responded to uh, reports of, of a death uh, as a result of exposure that had just happened. Hess said that it's not always possible to cite a specific cause of death for all the remains that are found, but that exposure is believed to be the cause in most of the cases. Olson says that for departments like his, this is not so much an immigration matter as a humanitarian issue, one that officers want to be a helping hand in. We care about people's lives. We, we worry about people's safety. Uh, it doesn't matter which country they're from. Uh, a human life is a human life. And, and they deserve all the respect and dignity of anybody else. In Washington, Shelly Garzone, Cronkite News. Thanks for listening. Before we continue, a quick message from our sponsors, Prestige Family Living. Hi, this is Kylie with Prestige Assisted Living at Sierra Vista. At Prestige, we know the process of transitioning to new levels of care can be confusing. If you or a loved one is in that situation, we're hosting a free seminar on Friday, August 25th at 2 p.m. at our community featuring local experts. We'll discuss topics like transitioning from a hospital stay to assisted living and explanations of insurance coverage. For more information, visit prestigecare.com slash Sierra Vista. Again, that's prestigecare.com slash Sierra Vista. Next event that you should know about. This Thursday, head over to Veterans Memorial Park for the next show in the city's summer concert series. You'll be treated to a live performance by a Sierra Vista party rock band called Rock U.S. Remember to bring your dancing shoes and a blanket or chairs if you want to sit down. Have a great time. Finally, we'd like to remember the life of Jan Bill. Jan was born in Canton, Ohio and moved to Sierra Vista in 1979. Jan enjoyed creating silk flower arrangements, loved hummingbirds, and playing bingo. She never knew a stranger and was always willing to help someone in need. Jan worked at Keybury Mission in Benson and Thoroughcare Home Health in Hereford before retiring. Jan is survived by her two daughters, two stepsons, two stepdaughters, numerous grandchildren and great-grandchildren, her sister, and her aunt. She is preceded in death by her beloved husband, Robert. Thank you for taking a moment to celebrate and remember Jan's life. Thanks for tuning in to the Herald Review podcast today. And remember, the Herald Review is here for you with local news you can trust. Subscribe today for unlimited access to all of our content for just $14 per month. This is less than the cost of one hour of one reporter's work on a single story. Also, want to stay up to date on what's going on? Join Neighbor, your trusted neighborhood community. Neighbor is a free online forum you can trust to connect with your community, focus on facts, and make a difference. Join the conversation. Visit nabur.myheraldreview.com. 
It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, especially in Cochise County. Become part of the hyperlocal conversation on Cochise County's exclusive social media platform, Neighbor. That's N-A-B-U-R. Your neighbors are striking up meaningful conversations, sharing exquisite Cochise County photos, and respecting each other's views without any other social media noise. No unwanted advertising and only respectful conversations on hot community topics. That's right. Our journalism project manager can set the record straight and help answer any pressing questions about the happenings in our community. Join the conversation at myheraldreview.com slash N-A-B-U-R.